RTHK, the news at one with Kenny Hodgart. The headlines this lunchtime. Relatives of the murdered 28-year-old fashion influencer Abby Choi are remanded in custody. Commerce Minister Algernon Yao says Hong Kong needs to do more to expand its regional integration and development and organisers of the first Oxfam Trailwalker event in three years held over the weekend say it has raised over some uh, $15 million. Four former relatives of the murdered 28-year-old fashion influencer Abby Choi have been remanded in custody. They appeared at the Kowloon City Magistracy today on charges of murder and perverting the course of justice. Frank Young reports. The victim's ex-husband Alex Kwong, along with his elder brother Anthony Kwong and father Kwong Kao, were charged with murdering the fashion influencer on the 21st of this month. Kwong's mother Jenny Lee faces a charge of perverting the course of justice. Acting Principal Magistrate Peony Wong adjourned the case to May the 8th. Three of the suspects were arrested on Friday before officers picked up the ex-husband in Tongchong on Saturday. A fifth suspect, a 47-year-old woman, has also been arrested in connection with the case. In the probe into the brutal murder, police found a head and ribs on Sunday, two days after discovering the victim's limbs in a fridge at a village house in Longmei Village. Commerce Minister Algernon Yao says Hong Kong needs to do more to expand its regional integration and development in the long run, citing geopolitical factors and growing trade unilateralism. Speaking on RTHK, he dismissed concerns that, compared with Singapore, the SAR has been slow in seeking business opportunities with the Middle East. The Secretary said that while Singapore has its own advantages, Hong Kong shouldn't underestimate its own, which include being a a financial centre with the backing of the mainland economy. It's like competing in athletics. Starting late doesn't mean you can't catch up. It's not just about winning on the starting line. The most important thing is whether you have the ability, whether you have strategy and you have worked hard to catch up. Hong Kong has a strong foundation. It's just three years of COVID affecting many aspects. Many businesses have stopped, but now everything's opened up again. Customs officers say they've seized $12 million worth of electronic waste that was allegedly being smuggled out of Hong Kong. They say they discovered a batch of computer motherboards, TV set-top boxes and vehicle parts in two containers that were due to be shipped to Malaysia. A 57-year-old woman who's a director of a shipping company has been arrested in relation to the case. Officers said a permit is needed for anyone to export harmful waste out of Hong Kong and that no permit was applied for in this case. Organisers say the first Oxfam Trailwalker event in three years has raised an estimated $15 million. Michael Wong, the Director of Fundraising and Communications at Oxfam Hong Kong, says donations are still coming in after around 1,600 people joined the 100-kilometre trek from Sai Kung to Yuen Long. He described the weekend's event as a dress rehearsal for the return of the full Trailwalker in November when it's traditionally held. That event usually attracts around uh, 4,000 entrants and can raise up to $40 million for the charity's poverty alleviation projects. Mr uh, Mr. Wong welcomed the return of the real event but said he was grateful to past runners who took part in virtual races during the pandemic. This is more of a carnival spirit uh, where you have the official start, official end and all the support in between which which is the hallmark of the trail walker event. 
So in a virtual event, uh, we lose all that. But we are still very grateful for uh, a lot of participants who actually uh, made significant fundraising. The government should target the mainland's wealthy elite in its push to attract family offices to Hong Kong. That's the view of Professor Winnie Peng, who's director of the Roger King Centre for Asian Family Business and Family Office at the University of Science and Technology. Family offices control billions of dollars in investments on behalf of wealthy families around the world, and the government has set aside $100 million to attract such funds to Hong Kong. Professor Peng told RTHK that besides the mainland, the government can target places in the region with high inheritance taxes. In order to attract family offices, we need not just money, but also favourable policies, better coordination among different government uh, departments. I think it's undoubtedly we should target wealthy families from mainland China first. This will be our largest market. We need to be very practical on that. But there were also other places near us that are easier for us to approach due to their high inheritance tax, for example, Japan and South Korea. Overseas, India's federal police have arrested the deputy chief minister of Delhi for alleged corruption. The arrest of Manish Sisodia is in connection with irregularities in the implementation of a liquor policy in the city. Mr Sisodia is a Am Adadmi party which emerged from an anti-corruption movement denied the allegations. The BBC's Naresh Koshik reports. The BJP and the agencies say they have evidence Mr Sisodia has been involved in corruption as the minister in charge of bringing a new liquor policy for Delhi in 2021. Under the policy, hundreds of new alcohol shops were opened in the city, which were allowed to serve customers until 3 a.m. But Mr. Sisodia later abandoned the policy after police began investigating allegations of irregularities, including the payment of bribes. Police in Sri Lanka's capital, Colombo, have fired tear gas to disperse thousands of protesters demonstrating against the government's decision to postpone local elections. The polls were scheduled to take place next month, but the government said it couldn't pay for them because of the ongoing financial crisis. Israeli settlers in the occupied West Bank have set fire to Palestinian houses, shops and vehicles, killing one Palestinian man. It comes after two Israelis were earlier shot dead in the same place. The BBC's Yolande Nell has more details. In the course of the day, there was this attack in Hawara, close to Nablus, where two Israeli brothers from a nearby settlement were shot at close range. The Israeli military says it's hunting for a Palestinian gunman, but there has also been continuing violence there over the past few hours as Jewish settlers set fire to Palestinian properties, some with families inside who had to be evacuated. There was one Palestinian man who was killed after he was shot. Palestinian health officials say that was after uh, settlers and soldiers entered into his village. And that is really keeping tensions very high. Nearly 60 people are known to have drowned after a boat carrying migrants sank off the coast of southern Italy. Officials said at least 12 were children, including a baby and young twins. 80 people survived, but it's not clear how many people were on the vessel when it broke up in rough seas. Those on the boat included people from Afghanistan, Pakistan and Somalia. After visiting the site, the governor of Calabria region, Roberto Occhuto, told reporters his region needed help from the rest of Europe. It's a day of grief for Calabria. 
This is a struggle that falls into a general indifference. Calabria is a region that welcomes people. Last year we welcomed 18,000 migrants, but we can't be abandoned by Europe. This type of tragedy should have been avoided the day before it happened and not lived out how we're living it today and how we'll live it again tomorrow. Exiled Belarusian opposition figures say that a Russian military plane has been damaged in a sabotage attack inside the country. They've attributed the attack to what they call anti-government partisans. With more details, here's the BBC's Charles Haviland. Drones are said to have caused two or three blasts at the airbase near Minsk, damaging a Russian A-50 military surveillance plane, its avionics and radar, and taking it out of action. BIPOL, a grouping of former law enforcers now opposed to the autocratic government of Alexander Lukashenko, says it was responsible and that its operatives are now safely out of the country. It's not possible to confirm the Belarusian opposition's account of what happened, but this reported attack's also been highlighted by Belarusian journalists. Many Belarusians oppose their government's support for Moscow's invasion of Ukraine. Local reports say there's now been a crackdown on civilians near the airfield. The President of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, is to meet the UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak in Britain today. A joint statement said they would work towards finding a solution to the dispute on post-Brexit trading arrangements for Northern Ireland. The UK wants to change the Northern Ireland Protocol, an agreement with the EU under which certain goods undergo customs checks when entering from elsewhere in the UK. The Irish Prime Minister, Leo Varadkar, welcomed the meeting. That's not the case that uh, a deal is made at this stage. There's still some uh, more talking to do, um, but it is a very good sign. And most importantly, if it is the case that we can get an agreement on the protocol, it allows uh, some positive news and positive development for the Northern Ireland economy in particular, um, but also puts uh, EU-UK relations and British-Irish relations on a much more solid footing. England and Wales are raising the age at which a person can get married from 16 to 18 from today. The change is intended to protect vulnerable children from being forced to marry. The new rules will make it a crime punishable by up to seven years in jail for an adult to facilitate the marriage of anyone under the age of 18. They also bring England and Wales in line with many other countries. Paisi Mahmood, who was married at 16, welcomed the new laws. I know what it feels like to have gone through child marriage and it's not something that I want anyone to go through. And the great thing is the day is here now and it means that here in England and Wales we have put something in place that protects children from going through the same harms that me and my sister went through. An Australian firm has bought the defunct battery-making company British Volt, which collapsed last month with the loss of 200 jobs. British Volt had plans to build a $4.8 billion battery plant in northern England. Its downfall was blamed on a lack of battery experience and unproven technology. To sport, and the Manchester United manager Eric Ten Hag says the whole club deserves credit for the team's victory in the English League Cup. Ten Hag's men defeated Newcastle United 2-0 in the final at Wembley to end a six-year wait for a trophy. Yeah, that is due to hard work and in togetherness, in cooperation with so many. And I think the mood in the club is good in this moment. And we have to keep that positive vibe and then even more has to come. Is this the first of many? Are you confident of that? I, I think this will bring us confidence. We can do, but uh, uh, it's not business as usual. You have to fight for it. You have to take effort in it. You have to so invest in it. You have to sacrifice, you have to suffer, and not only on the game day, but every day. 
um, on the training pitch. And if we do that, yeah, then it's possible that we will be successful. Eric Ten Hag speaking with the BBC's Juliet Farrington. Newcastle's defeat comes in the midst of a poor run of form. After winning just four of their last 12 games, Newcastle have gone out of both cup competitions and lost fourth place in the English Premier League to Tottenham. Manager Eddie Howe gave this reaction to yesterday's loss. Yeah, I thought we played really well between both boxes today. I thought we gave everything to the game. There's no lack of effort or commitment from the group. But we just didn't get those breaks, both ends. I thought second goal's a killer for us. But then we do everything we can to try and get back in the game. We have to survive some dangerous moments on transitions, but the players gave everything. We had, we had the chances, I felt, but uh, we didn't take them, and ultimately that's why we lose. In the Premier League, Tottenham beat Chelsea 2-0 to boost their hopes of Champions League football next season and intensify the pressure on Blues boss Graham Potter. Chelsea have won just two of their last 15 games and are 14 points outside of the top four. Potter insists he still believes in the quality of his team. We're here to win, we're here to compete, we're here to um, get victories. That's what makes our life better. And at the moment, we're not getting those. So, of course, it's not, it's not pleasant, but we know our responsibilities. We know we have to... Um, keep fighting we have to keep keep sticking together to, to turn it round I believe in the players I believe in their personality I believe in the quality that they have as footballers but um, at the moment it's no denying we're, yeah, we're suffering In cricket Australia cruised to their sixth women's T20 World Cup title with victory by 19 runs over South Africa in Cape Town the BBC's Daniel Norcross was watching Favourites Australia broke the hearts of a capacity crowd at Newlands as they defeated the host South Africa by 19 runs. Beth Mooney's 74 not out of 53 balls anchored Australia's innings of 156 for six after they won the toss and chose to bat. At various stages, it looked like they may have got more, but the veteran pace bowlers Marizan Kapp and Shabnim Ishmael hauled South Africa back into the contest at the back end of the innings, each picking up a couple of wickets. Nonetheless, there was a stiff target, and the host needed to get off to a strong start. Instead, Tasnim Britt struggled to reproduce her semi-final heroics, chewing up 17 balls for just 10 runs. It left too much for the rest of the batters to do, although Laura Wolfhart briefly gave the crowd hope with a battling 61 of 48 balls, which included three towering sixes. Australia's victory is their sixth World Cup success in the last seven tournaments, and they remain the benchmark against which all other teams compare themselves. We'll take a quick look at the weather. Fine and dry, moderate to fresh easterly winds. The outlook, fine and dry in the next few days. But cool at night and in the mornings. The current temperature at the observatory is 19 degrees Celsius. Relative humidity of 46% and the red fire danger warning is in place. Finally, uh, look at our top story once again. Relatives of the murdered 28-year-old fashion influencer Abby Choi have been remanded in custody. The news from RTHK. The Brew with Bill Whelan on Radio 3.
on Radio 3 and Crave. Good afternoon. It's 19 minutes past one. Lovely Monday. And big thanks to Tracy Kwan, who took me down just the right avenue today, talking about her favourite authors with interesting stories and loves of certain cities around the world. Oh, another one of those coming up for you in about six or seven minutes from now, when we're going to find out about George Bernard Shaw's love for Hong Kong, where his best mate lived.